You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Uh, We're going to begin a new series. And uh, we just finished our series on purpose, where we talked about uh, the temptations of Jesus, the tests of Jesus experiencing, uh, that he experienced in the wilderness. Uh, But today we're going to shift gears to something that I kind of started us off at the end of the last series with a word, arise and build. And uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 16 today. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew 16, I'm actually going to read this from the NIV and we'll have it on the screen as well. But uh, if you're taking notes, the subtitle of this message is On This Rock. And uh, Pastor Jacob mentioned the food that uh, our amazing outreach team has served. And uh, I think it was something like 2,000 meals, which he just said like 20,000. So we'll just go with that. Uh, it's like the other day, I, I talked to my wife uh, about our podcast. We just got word that we just hit 20,000 downloads on the podcast. And I told her that, and, and she was excited. And she said, Today? I said, well, no, not today, like over two years, but sure, now it doesn't sound as cool when you, <laughs> anyway, but uh, we, we, we love that. All right, Matthew 16, beginning verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We're going to unpack this over the course of the series, but today we're going to begin with foundations. A few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago now, uh, my parents uh, ventured into the internet for the very first time. In fact, this is so long ago that it was before AOL. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Remember AOL got the little free disc, the free monthly trial, and you just tried that over and over every time we got a little floppy disk. Well, before that, I don't even remember what it was called, some kind of service that uh, they had joined. And, and I remember it because it was a time when you could actually be in a chat room and it wasn't weird. And, and they actually, that was all you could do on the internet. You could send an email and you could go to a chat room. And they actually met some people that became friends uh, over the next couple of years that were from Germany. And they met, over, they were from overseas. And, and it's actually funny to think uh, today, you would never invite somebody that you met in a chat room to your house, but that's the kind of time it was. Uh, but uh, they actually had, their family would come, they had three young children and they would come to the U.S. every year on their family vacation. They kind of tour and hit like five or six states and go around. And uh, they came uh, that year, and I think it was just before Christmas, if I remember, and they came and stayed with our family, we got to know their kids, and they showed us pictures of their hometown. Uh, they showed us pictures of their house that they lived in. And what marked me of all the things that they shared, and they came from a different culture, different language, a lot of things. I really liked some of the treats, except for the chocolate. The chocolate wasn't sweet. I was expecting it to be very sweet. And it was like real strong, bitter chocolate. So my wife likes dark chocolate. I don't do dark chocolate. I know it's healthier, but healthy isn't always the best choice, right? 
Okay, no ideas. All right, all right, all right. But, but they had this, they had all these treats and they gave it to these. But the thing that stuck out to me more than anything else was they showed us their home and their home they lived in was over 200 years old. Their house they lived in had been built literally centuries before their family lived in it. And that stood out to me because the house we were in at that time, my parents had just had it built and moved into it. And it was a great house, but it wasn't a house that was built to last like that one. It wasn't a house that, you know, some of us build things for decades, but uh, some things are made to last generations. And, and when Jesus talks to Peter, he starts out with this conversation. He says, who do men say that I am? The, the view of Jesus determines their response to Jesus. And so they've got an opinion. Well, you're one of the prophets. You're one of Elijah. They're going through the list. And, and then he asks them the most important question. Who do you say? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your family thinks of Jesus or even a pastor thinks of Jesus. The answer, in fact, the answer upon which all of eternity hangs is, who is he in your life? And Peter speaks up. He's, he's called Simon here. He says, uh, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response is, man, you're blessed. You're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't tell you this. You didn't go to read it in a book or go uh, take a class and then give you that information, but you actually had this revealed by my Father in heaven. And then he says, on this rock, he says, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. We'll describe in a moment what that rock is, but he says, I'm going to build something. And he describes something, he uses a term that's only used by Jesus two other times. It's the word church, here and then one other place, it says church. This word church uh, is the word ecclesia. And I think to understand what the church is, especially the kind of church as the Bible defines it and what uh, Jesus actually builds, is this word ecclesia. And it literally means this uh, those called out, eclo. And lesia comes from a word that means to call together or call forth. And so it's literally to call out of, to gather in assembly together. So literally the church is defined not even just by the place we meet, not even by some institution or organization, but it's actually made up of people. And the church is, the Jesus building is those called out. What did he call you out from? When you gave your life to Jesus, he called you out of shame, out of sin, out of darkness, out of the world, out of one dominion, out of one territory into his kingdom, into the light of God's love and power and presence. God called you out to gather you together. And the church of all the definitions that are given, the church ultimately is defined by what we see here. The church is the assembly of his people, redeemed, set free, transformed, and built on a foundation. Foundations matter. Foundations matter a whole lot. In fact, they matter because when something is built on the wrong foundation or an uncertain foundation, it can easily fall apart or collapse. And uh, I believe that every person in here and every person alive builds their life on a foundation. Uh, most people are honestly unaware of what they're building on. We, 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 we have our identity, we have our self-worth, we have our significance, our peace, our, our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations, our families, our marriages, all of that is built on something. The question is, is what we're building on built to last? Is what we're building on a foundation that's solid and that actually impacts into eternity, lasts into eternity? There's actually only one foundation that does that. Of all the things that we build our life on, there's only one thing that lasts, and it's actually the rock that Jesus describes. 
And, you know, sometimes in the church, we, we don't have a full picture. We think the church is just, well, it's a potluck. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a service. It's, it's all these things. Well, the church, more than anything else, is a people set apart by God. Not a perfect people. If you're looking for a perfect church, you won't find it because church is made up of imperfect people. Are you with me? I always think it's hilarious when people say, I don't go to church because they're hypocrites. Well, I go to the grocery store and I've met some hypocrites there too. I go to the grocery store because I'm hungry and I need food. I go to church because I need a lot of Jesus. And I need people around me that are gonna build me up in Jesus and and grow me in his word and we're gonna challenge each other and we're gonna serve and make a difference in the world. God has a purpose for your life, your family, your future, but it all begins with a foundation. In fact, that's point number one if you're taking notes is everything in your life is built on a foundation. The issue is, is it the right foundation? Is it a foundation that lasts is who I am and what I find important and what I even find my security in. I, we moved here in 2020, interesting year, <laughs> to say the least. We actually started River City Church that summer of 2020, but we moved here in April. Uh, we moved here during the 14-day shutdown, which was, you know, we're seeing all the road signs saying, turn back, oh, don't drive. And, uh, and uh, I, I went to, we stopped on our way here, we stopped in Oklahoma and uh, visited a gas station and it was funny at that time, just how stuff was so weird. And uh, we had a sign on the gas station door uh, that said, only one family member. Problem is, I got three kids. <laughs> and my kids were still young enough that I was not going to send them into a gas station bathroom by themselves. So I walked in there, and the person, the attendant said, you can't come in here with them. Only one person at a time. I said, well, my kids are young. I'm not going to send them in by themselves. And the gas station attendant responded to me and said, well, you can trust us. Needless to say, (laughs) when you have security, it comes from a foundation. You know what 2020 did for a lot of people? It revealed where there were cracks in the foundation, where our faith was built maybe on areas that weren't solid, where even our relationships, our most important relationships, I think 2020 and the years following have not only, in many cases, created problems, but I think more importantly, they've revealed things that were already there we just didn't recognize. And so foundations are revealed in moments of shaking, in moments of pressure, in moments of difficulty. I, I had a chance to go to Haiti a few years ago that right after they had finished the last of, or most of the last of the cleanup from that devastating earthquake that killed over 100,000 plus people, and it was just tremendous loss. We have a church there we're very close with that's over 30 years, uh, fed 3,000 kids daily and, and, and encouraged and, and, uh, and, and done so much for the church in, in Haiti itself. But uh, when we went there, they'd actually, we had a, an event where we were preaching the gospel to, I think when I was there that night, it was like 35,000 people, and they were gathered on a soccer field that had just been turned over from temporary housing. Basically, it was like a shantytown tent city uh, from what was left over from the earthquake, and it was where people stayed because many of their homes and many buildings were destroyed. And uh, the reason why in many developed nations you'll have building codes and, and, and strict standards is because when certain standards, whether it's a foundation or, or the architecture, if things aren't up to code with the right materials, the right, uh, the right practices, then when shaking comes, it can destroy the building. 
And, and that's true of our spiritual life too. It's true of our relationships. It's true of everything in our life that we're building. When we build on the wrong foundation or a broken foundation, then pressure, difficulty, shaking can reveal what's broken and actually cause the entire thing to collapse. Uh, number two, point number two is this. What's built on Jesus will last. What isn't built on Jesus won't. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no other foundation can anyone lay except that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. In fact, if we go back to the story of, uh, of Jesus talking to Peter, he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And, and, and there's usually two ways that's approached. One is that Jesus is referring to Peter being a rock or being uh, the person who's upon whom the church would be built. Here's my problem with that, and I'll give you the, the Bible reason that that I don't think works, but let me first just explain what happens next after this conversation. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus goes, wow, buddy, good job. <laughs> God revealed that to you. The Father revealed that to you. The next conversation Jesus has is about his betrayal about his arrest and about his death. And Peter comes along, the same Peter who just, man, he's, he's got, if, if he was in school, he just got the extra stars. And he walks up to Jesus and says, um, Jesus, no, I, you're talking about being betrayed and arrested and, and um, that doesn't fit in my five-year plan, Jesus. I emptied my 401k to follow you. I, I, left my, I, I left all to follow you. What are you talking about? And Jesus turns around and says something to him that's interesting. He says, get behind me, Satan. The same guy who was rock is now being called Satan. What, what, what was the difference? Why did Jesus say that? Well, he actually tells him, he says, you're more mindful of the things of men than the things of God right now. In other words, Peter is like all of us. Peter's fallible. Peter has good days. Peter has not some good days. So people are not a solid foundation. I've had God use people in my life to bring me to him, to, to build my faith, to grow me. In fact, my very first mentor in life, uh, I'm in ministry today because of him. I'm, I'm following the call of God because of his influence in my life. He's on fire for God, serving, making a difference, gathered people, was just so amazing. Uh, I got to see him get married and see his uh, life just grow and do so much. He poured so much into me. In fact, he, we actually had a group of people, I think it was something like 15 to 20 young adults on fire for God that he was discipling and pastoring and mentoring. But then eventually, somewhere about a year, two, three years down the road, he got a little prideful. And he got a little offended because offense usually follows pride when you want things to be your way and they don't go your way. And, and he actually became very bitter and started uh, not only derailing relationships, but actually literally began to walk away altogether from his faith in God. Somebody who one day was incredibly solid and passionate for Jesus, the, to, to my knowledge, this day wants nothing to do with God. And I look at that and go, God used him in my life, but he would be a poor foundation. God uses amazing people in the church and in our families, but they're a poor foundation. Only Jesus is a solid foundation. If we can put that verse up, uh, here's, here's what Matthew 16 uh, says in, in the Greek. If, you just, if I can give you a quick study with this, if you can pull that verse up. Uh, I tell you, you are Peter. It's a Greek word, Petros, which Petros literally is, a, is like a piece of the rock or a piece of rock. So it's a small rock. It's still a rock, but it's a small rock. The next word is on this rock, Petra, different word used. Why is that important? Jesus contrasts, he says, on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. What's that rock? Something solid, something massive. What was it? It was what Peter just said, I believe. 
Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What do we build our life on? We build our life not on opinions and not on feelings and not on agendas and not on, even on our hopes and expectations. Where does our security come from? Where does our future come from? Where does our hope come from? It comes from a solid rock named Jesus. And Jesus actually said, I'm gonna build my church on this. If the church is anything, it must be founded on Jesus. If the church is to do anything we're created to do, and by the way, the church is not an organization, it's people. You're a part of it. You're a part of the family of God. And because you're a part of the family, you're a part of God's building, God's house, and God has a purpose for your life and mine. And we're only gonna be able to do what we're created to do when we start with the right foundation. So let me, let me take you through how to establish and build on the right foundation of Jesus in your life how to establish what's solid, what's necessary. In fact, Paul would say this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, I determined, he said this to the Corinthians, he said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, there's lots of things I could have talked to you about, but there was one thing that was needed. So I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. In other words, I was inadequate, but my, and my speech and preaching were not with persuasive human words, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? That your faith should not be in man's wisdom, but in God's power. What did he determine to teach them, share with them? What was the message of the early church? What's still to be the message of the church today? It's Jesus. On this rock, I'll build my church. On this rock, we can build our life, our families, our future. I've told you a hundred times, but a, a Christian marriage is not actually two Christians married together. Well, I thought it would all work because our ChristianMingle.com profiles matched. <laughs> but it's actually Jesus as the foundation of the marriage, of your life, of your future. So, so when Jesus is the foundation, we can see him build something that lasts, something that can withstand the pressures and tests of life. So I wanna give you three things that I believe describe how we build on this rock, Jesus. The first is what Jesus has done. That's where we start, and let me just tell you, I know this is not new information for most of us, but here's what Jesus has done for you. The death and resurrection of Jesus are the foundation of everything else he does. In fact, in the Bible, the entire Old Testament leading to Jesus was descriptive and foreshadowing. While it describes God's people and what God's people experience, the ultimate message behind it all is Jesus and his plan and purpose. When, when God gave the priesthood to Israel and said, I want a priest to go between man and God, it was a picture of Jesus, our high priest, who's the only mediator between God and man, who would be the one between us and, and, and the Father, to bring us back to God. And what would a priest do? A priest would bring a sacrifice, an offering, would bring the innocent lamb and offer it to God to cover the sins of the people. Jesus came to be the priest and the sacrifice. Oh, it's amazing. His death, his resurrection that we've already celebrated today is the foundation of everything else he does. The New Testament goes post-cross and shows us from the Gospels through the book of Acts and through the letters of the church to say this is what the effect of the cross has accomplished in your life and mine. So the foundation for our relationship with Jesus, the foundation of Jesus in our life begins with what he has done, his death, his resurrection, and also his ascension to God, to, to the Father, where he poured out the Holy Spirit into our lives. 1 John 4, 9 describes the work of Jesus this way. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. And this is real love. World's trying to find real love. Here's real love defined right here now. Verse 10, not that we loved God even, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I love that. He, he says, this is, this is love defined. See, when you have the, the as, a, as a Christian, maybe you've been a Christian 10, 20, 30 years, but your foundation is never something you outgrow. It's never something you move beyond. In fact, the foundation always remains. It's needed for everything else that's built. And, and if our foundation is what this verse says, why did Jesus die? It says it right here, because he loved you. If God does not answer one more prayer, and I'm telling you, he answers prayers. He's a God who still answers prayer. He's a God who still works. He's a God who still sets free. Everything that Jesus did, he still does. Am I in the right church? Okay, good. I'm just making sure. Same Jesus. In fact, here's what Hebrews 13, 9 says. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. If, listen, why can't you build your life on feelings? Because they're flaky. Why, why can't you build your foundation on a person? Because they may be on today, but off tomorrow. Solid today, gone tomorrow, whatever it is. And I'm not trying to be cynical, but here's the reality. Life and this world are always changing, not always for the better. But there's one thing that always remains. In fact, because it remains the same, it's worth building our life upon, and that's Jesus. He's the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And as a huge part of that is recognizing God's love is steadfast and unchanging in my life. I remember a few years ago, we had a, a trip planned, and uh, it was actually just my wife and I for a little anniversary getaway. Uh, I'll just say, everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. <laughs> And it just, it was all bad. It's a long story, but it, it just all seemed to fall apart. We show up at the hotel, everything's, everything's wrong. We're not, you know, it's at the point where I'm like, I'm gonna have to cancel this trip. Like, it's that bad. And my, my wife has this idea. She says, I, why don't we just go to the organic grocery store? Because that's where I wanna go when I'm having a bad day is the organic grocery store. It was one of those days. And so, you know, how many of you got family photos where you know the story behind the photo? Like, you're all smiles. The kids are all smiles, but five seconds before, you're like, get over here. Take the picture. Smile. You know, or you just had a fight with your wife on the car over, and then you, okay, we're in front of the monument. Take a picture. And so you know the story behind it, and that's kind of where we were. It was just one, like probably one of the worst days I'd had. And there was stuff going on outside, all this. There was all these things happening. Well, we show up at this organic grocery store, and in the parking lot is a guy playing a guitar, and he's got a little can in front of him, and he's, he's just playing. I don't even remember what he was playing. I'll just say he was playing Tiny Bubbles, but he's just playing something. I don't know if you can play that with a guitar, but he's playing something. And, uh, and so we go in. Get done at the grocery store. I think we got some kind of organic kale pizza. I don't know what it was. It was gross. Yeah, I know, it was. Uh, it wasn't really kale. We've never eaten kale. Uh, but, but, but she gets this thing, and we're on our way out, and, and she's checking out at the line, and I'm, I'm going into the parking lot, and I'm just, man, I am so discouraged. I'm like, man, I wanted this to be perfect, and it was so bad, and, and we might have to cancel trip. And while I'm walking the grocery cart back, this guy changes the song. It was almost like I was broadcasting how bad a day I was having. But anyway, no, uh, he starts playing the song, Jesus Loves Me. And, and I, here's how I took that. God, God's reminding me. On my worst day, he's still the same. 
on a bad day, he's still good. He's still faithful. He's still, and and when you have as your foundation the love of God, he doesn't have to prove it anymore to you. He's already done it. Remember the cross. When that's your foundation, there's nothing life can throw that you go, oh, God doesn't love me. Because we all have those moments where we're like, oh, God's forgotten about me. Why in the world did this happen? None of you have ever said that, just first service people. But, it, but here's the reality. Those moments often reveal, in fact, I know what kind of foundation I'm relying on based on how I'm praying. And when I remember that he loves me and his cross was enough and what he did and that never changed and God's love stayed the same, then it gives me something solid to rely upon, to trust in. The psalmist said this, when my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. When I don't know what to do, I go to the rock. I go back to that foundation. We start with what he's done for us. Let me just read this, Colossians 2.13. You being dead in your trespasses, your sin, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, Jesus has made alive together with him. Having forgiven you all sin, trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. On a cross, the, those meeting out what they consider to be justice would write the list of crimes that the person being crucified had committed, and they would nail it to the cross above them. What is this saying? When Jesus died on the cross, the Romans nailed He's king of the Jews above his head. But you know what God saw? God saw our shame and our sin, yours and mine, nailed to that cross with him. And having wiped it out, he took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, and he wasn't done yet. Having disarmed principalities and power. Those are demonic forces that are ruling the world. He says he disarmed it. And he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. I told you I'm learning to speak the language of my kids. So so this would be low-key goaded. (laughs) Pastor Jacob, yeah, I got you. Okay, so, so Jesus not only took our sin and shame, he paid the ultimate price and he stripped the enemy of his authority and he led a parade and said, look at what's been accomplished. That's what Jesus did for you. That's the price that he paid for us. That's what Jesus accomplished. The next thing that is a part of our foundation is what Jesus has said. That's the word of God. Matthew 7 describes it this way. It's a parable Jesus taught. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings, these words of mine, and does them, puts them into practice, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat that house, but it did not fall. Why? For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, doesn't apply them, doesn't put them into practice, will be like a foolish man who built his his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house and it fell, and great was its fall. Notice the conditions environmentally are the same. They both have wind, they both have rain, they both have storms. Both of them. Well, I thought serving God, I wouldn't have any problems. Who told you that? (laughs) One day, we'll all be in heaven, there's no problems in heaven. But we're in a conflict zone. (laughs) 
We're in a war zone. Our job is to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And until that takes place, guess what? There's a battle. But look at the conditions. They're exactly the same for the one built on the rock and the one built on the sand. What's the difference? Their foundation. Jesus tells us what the foundation is. He says, whoever hears these words and does them. Notice both of them hear them. It's not talking about somebody who doesn't know God at all. It's talking about two different people who are hearing the words of Jesus. The difference is not in, will God love one more than the other? Doesn't say that. They're both going through wind. They're both going through rain. They're both having floods. Here's the difference. What's the foundation? And the foundation was what they built through applying the word of God. Do you know, uh, a few years ago, I was in Phoenix, and there was a skyscraper construction, and I peeked in through the fence just to see what it looked like. And uh, they were still in the early stages. They were digging deep, like, I don't know, it must have been five or six stories deep under the ground because they were establishing a foundation for a building that would be built very high. But for that thing to go high, it had to first go deep. And it's also true in our life that for God to take us higher, he wants to go deeper. He want, and that's what God's word does. It digs deep in our heart. And there's going to be times you're going to read this word and you're going to go, I don't like that. Ouch. <laughs> Do you know what it's doing? It's digging. It's digging out what's part of the wrong foundation revealing what's the wrong foundation and establishing in our life. But here's how it happens. We have to put it into practice. It's not just that we read the word or even hear a sermon about the word, even say amen to the word, but that we actually put it into practice and receive in our lives and, 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 and walk it out. James chapter one, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with humility or teachability, meekness. That's what that word meekness means. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. That word save in Greek is sozo, which means to save, rescue, heal, preserve, deliver. That's what the word of God can do in your life, but it has to be received. So, so if I just approach this trying to prove a point, I'm not learning. Oh, that's a whole other sermon. I should preach that. If I'm trying to win an argument, I'm not learning. I'm not receiving with humility, letting this word. Oh, I know it's a sword, but some of us are using the sword to hack off other limbs. Instead of allowing that sword to pierce our heart and transform our life and dig deep and establish a foundation that can last. But here's what he says, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, therefore deceiving yourselves. Why is that deceiving yourself? Because I can think I got it because I learned it. Because I read the book, heard the podcast, listened to the sermon, went to the conference, did the thing. Some of us are so good at church, we can sing all the songs without even moving our heart. We can hear all the, in fact, I, I intentionally read a couple verses that are very familiar to our church family. I read them from a different translation because sometimes we're so used to hearing something the same way that we check out. But what matters is when we put it into practice. Just because I heard the message doesn't mean I'm applying it in my life. And that's true for all of us, myself included. We need to put it into practice. We need not just hear it, but apply it. The last thing when it comes to establishing a foundation of Jesus is just as important as all the others, but I think is what pulls it all together. Because I can actually know the word 
and I can even know the truth of what Jesus did for me, but not follow the person. So the third thing is who Jesus is. For, for a foundation of Jesus in my life, I need to know who he is. Not just what he's done, because what he's done is absolutely essential. His word establishes something solid in my life, but the goal of the Bible was never just to know the Bible, it's to know the God who gave the Bible. Jesus talked to the Pharisees who had the Old Testament memorized cover to cover, and he said, guys, you, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life. Like, if you just memorize enough, study enough, teach enough, you got it. But he says, they actually tell of me. Jesus says, I'm the point of, the, the living word is the point of the written word. And those same Pharisees crucified him. How does the religious crowd reject the one who they supposedly worship? Well, here's how. We become experts in information, but miss the person. Do you know the church is never built on principle, but a person? Your life and mine can't be just built on principles. I could give you, a, I could write a book and say, 15 steps to be blessed. <laughs> it, it sell better than my book about humility. <laughs> how to be humble. <laughs> But, but here's, here's the point. We like things reduced to principles, but the goal was always a person. The goal was always a person. The goal is to know a person. Do you know what discipleship, being a Christian is? It's not even just that being a Christian isn't that I gather in the church only. In fact, I can go to church and not be a Christian. It's gonna get better in a moment, I promise. Okay. But, so, but here's, here's, the, here's the point. Being a Christian or a disciple is being a follower of a person named Jesus. Having a relationship with him. Let me just describe a few things quickly about who he is. I know this is foundational, but it's important. He's fully man. And he's fully God. In fact, if you look at just about every cult and false religion, it almost always does something about Jesus. Reduces Jesus in some way diminishes something about who he really is. But the word of God tells us he's fully man and he's fully God. Hebrews chapter two tells us why he's fully man. Because he himself, verse 18, suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are also being tempted. You don't serve a God who's, who doesn't know what you're going through. Jesus has experienced all of it as a man. More importantly, he's fully man because a, only a man could take the place of a man. Because it was man that sinned, man that disobeyed. And God said, there's not a perfect man among you, so I'm going to step in. And Jesus is fully man, but he's also fully God. Can I just elevate your view of Jesus today? Because some of us are so used to Jesus that we're actually, it, it, it's like when I was, when I, was a, I think I was 12, they gave me the chicken pox shot. And there was enough of the chicken pox shot that was supposed to prevent me from ever having chicken pox. Some of us are so, we just have enough of Jesus to be immune to Jesus. Okay. Right. Like, like religion's just given us a little bit so that we're immune to the reality of who he is. The reality that he's, watch what Hebrews 1 says. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Like this, this same Jesus 
is the one through whom God has, has shaped the heavens and the earth. And watch this, not only is he the creator of everything, the source of everything, verse three, who being the brightness of his glory, Jesus is the glory of God. He's the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. If you wanna know what God's like, look at Jesus. And he's upholding all things by the word of his power. Oh, church, if we just could capture that view of Jesus. I know he's as near as a friend. I know he's the shepherd who walks closely with his sheep. I know he's, he's the priest who can sympathize with his people. He's all of those things. He's also the Lord of all creation who holds every galaxy and every star and every atom and holds my life together and your life together by the word of his power. That same Jesus is the one we worship. He holds all things, upholding all things by the word of his power. Watch what else he did when he, by himself, purged our sins. Like he didn't need anybody else's help. Do you know the only thing you contributed to your salvation was the sin that made it necessary? He, by himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Like this is just one of many places. I, I have more, I won't read them for time. But there's so many places in the Bible that describe the majesty and the glory of who Jesus is. I think the church has to get a high view of Jesus again. Because he is fully man and fully God. He's also described as our cornerstone. What's a cornerstone? A cornerstone was used in ancient structure foundations as the first stone from which every other stone in the foundation would be measured and cut according to. So if you've ever done construction or any kind of work, uh, I, I remember years ago, I learned this principle. I took a bunch of uh, two by fours and I cut the first one, I measured it to what I needed, cut it. And then I got a second one and lined it up and then cut that one according to the first one. No problem so far. But then I, I took the third one and measured against the second Two by four. And then I repeated that process all the way until I got like, let's say five or six uh, two by fours down the road and realized I lined them up and the last ones don't match the first one because I was copying copies all the way down the line. That's why the cornerstone was needed. They would put in stones in the foundation that had to be shaped and cut according to not each other, but the cornerstone. The only measure of our life that's worth using is Jesus. The only comparison worth looking to is Jesus. You are not created to be a carbon copy of your neighbor, a carbon copy of another person in church. Well, I can't pray like them. God doesn't want you to pray like them. <laughs> Religion makes carbon copies of people. But the problem is we're copying imperfection. We do Social media, let me pull it up. See who I need to compare myself to today. You know what the problem with comparison is? It's only gonna have two results. I'm better than them or I'm inferior to them. Both of them are wrong. Then we look at Jesus and the only response is to worship. And the measure and what he does in my life is what establishes something solid and steadfast. When you would join two walls together in a building, they would join together at the cornerstone. What joins us together as the church is when we're connected to the head. What joins my wife and I together as a husband and wife to be all that we're created to be is not compare ourselves with ourselves. We don't keep score. I vacuumed four times this week. Did you notice? I know, husbands, we still do that. I'm like... I'm broadcasting 
You were gone, but I just mopped the floors, just so you know. Brownie points. <laughs> She's like, yeah, buddy, I did like 10 times today. Okay. But, but here's the point is that we're connected to each other through Jesus. You're connected to each other as the church through Jesus. He's the standard. He's the cornerstone. And when we begin to know, we begin to know who he is, we have knowledge that's not just informational. We, as a culture, we have elevated, um, how do I say this? We've elevated position without experience. So, so I can have somebody who is a, if, if this is you, I'm so sorry, um, but we can have a business professor who's never run a business. We can be experts in things we've never experienced. Religion does that in our faith. You were never meant to know about Jesus. You were meant to know him. You were never meant to learn about Jesus. You were meant to know him. In fact, here's what Jesus said about eternal life. If I asked you, what's the definition? We're almost done. If I asked you, what's the definition of eternal life? Most of us would say living forever. And that's not a bad definition. Living forever. But here's how Jesus defined it. It's in red in your Bibles, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you. Talking to God, the Father. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. What's eternal life? It's not just living forever. It's actually who you know. And this isn't knowledge by information only. It's knowledge by experience. You can know Jesus by experience. 2 Timothy 1.12, Jason, if you want to come up. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.12, for this reason, Paul said, I suffered all these things. He goes through a list of a bunch of difficulties he had. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. You know what Paul doesn't say? Is I know what I've believed. He doesn't just say, okay, I, I took the class, checked all the boxes, yeah, I believe, you know. Jesus born, manger, Bethlehem, check the box. Jesus died on the cross, check the box. It's not just what I know about Jesus, it's who I know. <laughs> he says, I know whom I believed. That's Paul's foundation. He says, I'm going through persecution, I'm going through difficulty and adversity, but here's what keeps me solid. I have a foundation, and that a foundation has a name. His name is Jesus. I know not just what I've believed, but whom I've believed. Who you know matters. Final point, if you're taking notes, is this. Knowing Jesus doesn't just inform you, but it transforms you. I want to just go back to the story of Simon as we finish today. Simon's name means a reed. Picture a, a stick growing out of the grass, out of the, out of the water line, Basically, it's, it's something easily blown over. <laughs> something not nearly as solid as a rock. Jesus says, this revelation you have, my father revealed it. I know we don't always use that word revelation as much anymore. But, you know, this week I know, I, I heard it a lot on the news. There was a revelation about Taylor Swift's boyfriend. It's for Pastor Shelby, I'm just. It was actually hilarious. I'm like, this is the biggest news story of the week. <laughs> it's a shocking revelation. Like, 
I'm pretty sure if this is the biggest news story, it's the end of Western civilization. But anyway, it's another. But, but here's, here's, here's what happens. A revelation biblically is an unveiling. It's not just shocking information. It's actually this. It's an unveiling of what was already there, but God now makes known, makes it known to us. The Bible is God's self-revelation to man. It's God saying, here's who I am, and here's what you mean to me, and here's what's gotten things off track, and, and here's my plan to save. That's what the God, God's word tells us. It's his revelation. And Peter has a revelation that takes him from being Simon, a reed, someone shaken. How do I know that he could be shaken? Well, just look at Simon's story. Five minutes later, he's having a conversation where Jesus is calling him Satan. And notice he didn't do any like weird cultic stuff. He just said, no, you can't go to the cross. It doesn't fit in my plan. Jesus said, no, that's, you're more mindful of what people think than what God says. Peter would later be among the crowds at the trial of Jesus. And three times he denies it, he even knows him. That's the read. But there was a promise on his life and it's what revelation does. It's what knowing Jesus does. It transforms us and doesn't leave us the same. He says, you are Peter. You are being changed. You have a new name. And with that new name comes a new nature. Do you know what hap- would happen when he denied Jesus? Peter would hit rock bottom. That's over. He goes back to his old job, fishing. Jesus finds him and says, I'm not done with you. Go feed my sheep. Go feed my lambs. I'm not done with you. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed, is now bold and confident and preaches and 3,000 people are added to the church. One day he's a reed, one day he's a rock. What was the difference maker? It was a revelation of Jesus. Knowing Jesus by experience doesn't just inform you. In fact, that's never the purpose. It's to transform your life. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. I'd like us to pray. When Jesus has this conversation with him, they're in a place called Caesarea Philippi, which is a major metropolitan center in that that time. But it's more importantly, a center of idolatry, spiritual darkness, of all kinds of issues. Geographically, it's where the Jordan River starts. It's one of the main sources of the Jordan River. But right there in Caesarea Philippi, there's a great big rock face. And I don't know this, but I think it's true that Jesus may have been pointing to that while he's telling them to illustrate something. This great big rock face illustrates something solid that I wanna build the church on, on this rock. They were surrounded by darkness. They were surrounded by idolatry. They were surrounded by all kinds of craziness. And the world has craziness, if you haven't noticed. I don't even need it to be the world. My life can have craziness. That's why I need a foundation that's solid, that's secure, that's steadfast. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's your foundation today?
What's your foundation? Sometimes we don't know what our foundation is until it's tested, until we're shaken, until the wind starts and the rain starts, and then we find out what we really have built our life on. But here's the good news. Just like Jesus came to Peter at the lowest points of his life and restored and redeemed, no matter what you've built your life on, it can change today, right here and now. And you can begin to build your life, your future, your faith, your family on the word of God and a relationship with Jesus. God's word has a lot to say about how we run our businesses with integrity. You can build your business on the integrity of the word of God. You can build your marriage, not based on what the world says it should be, but on something that can last, what God's word says. But what makes all of it possible is knowing the person, knowing Jesus for yourself. And I'm gonna ask you, doesn't matter what other people think about Jesus, it matters what you say, and who he is to you in your life. If, if you're honest today and you say, you know what, Brian, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know him like you're talking about, but I want to. It begins by accepting an invitation from heaven to you. God loves you so much. Don't let the lies of shame keep you from running to Jesus. When we fall, we fall on the rock. He's here for you. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God, you can begin right now. Maybe you've been a Christian, but man, you've been far from God and you need a new beginning. See, I need to build again on the right foundation. I wanna to build to last. Either those are for you to begin a relationship with Jesus or rededicate your life to God. If either of those are for you, I wanna pray with you right here and now. No one looking around and say, that's me, Brian. I need Jesus in my life. I'm gonna ask you to do this. Would you respond, not to a sermon and not to a message, but to God's invitation by lifting your hand, saying, God, I need you. If that's you, I want you to pray this with me. And I'm gonna ask everyone in here to pray this with us to encourage those that are responding to God. Would you pray this with me? Say, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be Lord of my whole life. Today I surrender to you. Today I'm asking you to be my foundation. Help me to build my life on you and to know you and to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Prayer team, if you come to the front, if you're in here and, man, the wind and the waves is beating against you, you're in a storm right now. I just want to encourage you. He's with you. When your heart is overwhelmed, ask him to lead you to the rock. Father, I pray for everyone in here that's overwhelmed, that's under pressure, that's in the storm. Help them to know your love never fails. You never change, and your promise still stands. And today, you're with them. I pray for grace. I pray for strength. I pray for your wisdom. But most of all, your presence in the midst of the storm. God, we love you. And we thank you that you never fail. You never leave us nor forsake us. And God, we're your church, your people. And what you build hell can't stop. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer today. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.